Hello, welcome to the Revival Podcast. I'm Dave Butler. I'm Stephen Tager. We're really excited because we just had a Disneyland conversation right before we pushed record that we cannot wait to get into <laughs> right now. This is really important. Um, but before that, if it's your first time, double welcome. We drop these every Tuesday because there's a Jewish tradition that Tuesday is the day of double blessings. Don't look that up and tell me if I'm wrong ever. But like, listen, a real life Jewish person told me this, Stefan. Stefan's the smartest person I know, and sometimes I don't want him to debunk some of the things. I don't know if it's true. I'm not okay, going to look, look it up. Okay, don't look it up. Good. I just want to true. Yeah. Um, day of double blessings. We go over a conference talk every single week um, and kind of talk about, man, what are the kind of the, the heart and soul of that message, the sort of... Um, revival giving truths that are in there. So super happy that you are here. All right, Disneyland, ready? First of all, let's get this out of the way. You have never been to Disneyland. Is that a true statement? You're on air, recorded. Your parents will hear this who know the truth. And I've never the truth been to will Disneyland. set you free. Never, ever, ever. Disney, Disney World? Disney World. You're I'm stupid. An East Coaster. I can't even I can't even talk about this anymore. You <laughs> acted like you've never been to anything Disney in your life or the Disney store or seen a Disney movie. We okay. might go this summer. Let's turn that mite into a... I have to convince convince yes. my kids that they want to go. My older boys would rather go to like an Angels game. Than you can do both. I know, and I think that's how we've convinced You have to them. do both. Yeah. Yeah. They'll like it. The Guardian's ride is so good. So just have them look okay. forward to that. I'm excited. Okay. Speaking of Disneyland, which you led me astray on until this very moment. Like legit, I thought you'd never, <laughs> ever, ever been to anything. But Have you been to uh, World? Disney, Disney World? Yeah. yeah. Yep. Which one's better? Uh, I don't Disney World has more things to go to, I feel like. And it's in Florida, so they have Bluebell ice cream also. Speaking of Disney World, my friend, Carrie, um, she was from Florida, and uh, she was telling the story in Sacramento one time where she served uh, as a missionary somewhere. I can't remember where she was. But she got back, and they went to Disney World after because it was sort of their family's thing, is to go to Disney World or whatever. So they're in line at Disneyland, Disney World, and someone says the name of Jesus somewhere in the line. And she said, I whipped around so fast and almost yelled out, I know him. Like she legit almost pulled an elf, like a Santa Claus. <laughs> like, I know, in line at Disneyland. And she said, I'm so glad that I didn't because that would have been weird. Um, but she said, I sat there in line and I realized to myself, like I had a friend in Jesus. Like I heard his name and no one told me to like it. And I wasn't like playing church games with anybody. I just legitimately, it thrilled my heart when I heard his name. Hmm. And she kind of was going on and talking about that. And I sat there and listened to her. And I thought to my, I thought, wait, that's actually what I, that's, I want that. Like I want someone, I don't want to just do what's right and do what's good and do what's churchy, but legitimately like the way she talked about Jesus as a really good friend of hers, like someone she would want to go on a trip with or something like, I was like, man. And I was, the funny thing is I'm serving in the bishopric at the time and sitting on the stand and thinking to myself, like, wait, how do I actually get that? That's, that's what I want. Yeah. Uh, we're talking about Elder Bednar's talk, abide in me and I in you, therefore walk with me. 
which is the longest title ever given in the history of conference. But And I think what you're saying gets at the heart of really what his talk is about. He says, some church members accept as true the doctrine, principles, and testimonies proclaimed repeatedly from the pulpit in the conference center and in local congregations around the world. And yet many struggle to believe these eternal truths apply specifically in their lives and to their circumstances. They believe sincerely and serve dutifully, but their covenant connection with the Father and His redeeming Son has not yet become a living and transforming reality in their lives. Okay, and I think that's the phrase that I would describe about Carrie, right? That she seemed to have this relationship that was living and transforming, like it was a, a reality. So the question is, so how does somebody actually feel close and have that kind of thrilling closeness? If that's a if that's a phrase to God and His and His Son, because I think it's super easy to look really religious without actually being close to God in relationship. Yeah. You know? Yeah, there's this philosopher from the 19th century, Soren Kierkegaard in, in Denmark, and he talks a lot about how people can surround themselves with the symbols of Christianity, but not actually live a Christian lifestyle. And, and in fact, learning more about Christianity and surrounding yourself with pictures and paintings and singing the songs can just add to the deception, oh, I'm a Christian, I'm close to God. But, uh, but actually not feel a living connection with them. Yeah, and it almost makes me think about times. That, like, well, like even then, even in the story, like I'm sitting there on the stand. I've got my sh- tie on and everything. Like I look like a Christian. I'll go home and, and that, there's, you know. Yeah, you got the Work in the Glory books on the shelf, right? You make cinnamon rolls for conference. And you're like, see, <laughs> we're faithful Latter-day Saints. Except I go pick up my cinnamon rolls from Shirley's Bakery in Provo. Y'all, if you live here, should she sponsor this podcast? I want her to. The raspberry ones with the cream cheese frosting. Come on, Jesus, take the wheel. But I'm saying, you're right. You're right. The thing is, is you really can have a lot of those things. And am I actually, and, and I, and when I, I think what I'm hearing when you're saying like live as a Christian, like I don't mean like, um, like the love thy neighbor Christian I'm talking about, which is like, I think essential to Christianity, but just that heart and soul of Christianity, which is like, I have a belief in and an abiding relationship with God, the father and and the son. Like that's, that's what I'm hearing and talking about. And you can look like, I mean, like I, I, there's been periods in my life where my prayer life is weak and that's a, that's a nice word to say about it. And I would say like, man, they, they, that's anyways, there's a, a list in here. Should we jump into that list of what that, what that even looks like? Because, oh, there's this line here. Where is it? He says this. Can I say something really quick? Yeah, I want you R- to. Really fast. Like, I think also when people go through religion and don't ha- religion without relationship, the religion becomes very taxing on them emotionally. Mm. They start to, in, in all honesty, they start to dislike the religion. If if you have religion without relationship, it starts to feel like a burden to be involved. And so there's there's quite a bit at stake in figuring this out. Sorry to interrupt, but no, no, no. Because I would think to myself, like, why else do you have that? If it's not for relationship's sake, why else do you have it? Yeah, yeah. That's and then a really if you question. start listing some of those other reasons, I, like cultural, right? Like that's going to fall short, and like you're going to have to hold that up a long time, and that's a, you know tiring and right, right. So yeah, I makes me want to think more about why uh, would someone participate in it in a religion if it wasn't for relationship's sake? Maybe it's because I'm going to get something out of it. Yep, yep. Or, or maybe they're they're not quite sure what that means. To actually, have a relationship with God. What does that actually look like? 
you know, and... Um, if I remember right, I feel like that word religion even means like something like tying yourself to God. Mm. Like I can't remember, like that's floating around <laughs> in my head somewhere that that's what that actually means. And so to have religion without it being relationship centered is like, that's not even what the word means. It wasn't even its intent or its, its purpose right. all along. I love this line from his talk where he says this, thus... So how, how do we do it is the question, right? So how do we make religion relationship-centered, right? And he says, thus we abide in Christ as we are firm in, and steadfast in our devotion to the Redeemer and his holy purposes in times both good and bad. And when he said that, or when I read it, I can't remember which one it was, I read it and it sounded like that, what you would hear in a marriage, you know? Right. Like, for, what is it? For sick or poor, for death till us, you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> that, that phrase. But that sounds to me like, that sounds like a marriage. The way he's describing a relationship with God is is like, oh, steadfast, devotion, um, in times both good and bad. Right. God the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ, are beings, and we develop relationships with them in much the same way we develop relationships with other people, right. friends and family or co coworkers. Now, there's some unique aspects of this relationship, but I, I think it's really helpful to think of it like my job is to actually develop a relationship with God and his son. Mm. Okay, so he has this spot in the talk where he goes through and he lists, I guess, I don't know, different principles or practices, whatever you want to call them, that kind of help strengthen that relationship or focus what it is that you're doing on a relationship. So uh, one of them he starts with is, we begin to abide in the Lord by exercising our moral agency to pay, take upon ourselves his yoke through covenants and ordinances of the restored gospel. So one of the great debates in Christian history is how do I access the grace of God? How do I access his love and goodness in my life? And for Latter-day Saints, at the heart of that is we, we don't think that you can really choose love unless it's based in agency. And the way we exercise our agency is by making covenants with God. It's the way we say, I want to connect with you. I want to have a relationship with you. I want to have your grace in my life. Well, and if you connect it to a marriage one, right? That like, like, there, right? There is this a, fit, a moment where you say yes, where you say like, I choose to be in a different kind of relationship with you. And there's like a a day that's almost marked, right? Where it's just like this is the this was the moment. This was the day that our relationship became something that I wanted to be more meaningful than it was yesterday. Yeah, and I think it's so helpful to get very specific about what is it that I actually covenanted to do. So when I was baptized, I covenanted to, to, to keep his commandments. Oh my goodness, we've heard that phrase so many times. But another way of saying that is to take up the lifestyle of a Christian, to take upon ourselves his name, which means I now get my identity from being a Christian Yes, I may be a musician or athlete or whatever, but primarily I get my sense of identity from being a Christian. And then also to serve God by serving others. So I covenant that I'm going to serve others throughout my whole life. Yeah. And when you also say that phrase that, this is how my mind translates the phrase, like to, to keep his commandments or like to do his will. Like that sounds like I'm not, um, that like doesn't go super good with my personality for someone to say, I want you to do my will or whatever. But, I am actually trying to figure out, oh, what's Jenny's favorite thing to do on a weekend? What's her favorite place to go? What's her favorite things to eat? What's her favorite things 
to wear? What's her favorite kind of shoes? Because I actually genuinely want to make her happy. So I like am searching to find out what are the things that, and essentially what I'm doing is I'm discovering her will, right? Like right. I'm trying to find out like, what is it that you like? What is it that you want? And I actually want to do it. So when I frame commandments, like too often, like when I was growing up, I think commandments just like made God really bossy at me. And that didn't go over well. But if, you, if you're learning it, like, wait, this is actually like what he enjoys, like what he likes. Like, why wouldn't you try and seek that out? And, yeah. and you know, I want to do what makes you happy because I like you. Right, right. And I think in connection with that, it's, um, I think it's Terry Warner who says, it's, it's not an injustice to do God's will because God's will is justice itself. And so whatever is love, whatever is good, that whatever is like, true. You have to say that line again because I was like, wait, that's really smart and good, but I have to just hear it one more time. So, so people think it's arbitrary, the will of God, but it's... No, that he just made it up, right. like just to see if you're obedient as a test or something. Yeah, okay. yeah. And, but what actually the will of God is, is just to live a life of love and goodness and truth, beauty, creativity, hard work. And there are some times uh, when he will give a specific path to follow, do this, do that, and that will be for our good. And then a lot of the times it'll be follow these principles. And so seeking his will is not just arbitrarily following someone. It's actually seeking goodness in whatever form that manifests itself in a particular situation. You're so smart. Okay. Thank you. This next one's easier. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. He gives this suggestion. Praying sincerely to the eternal father in the name of his beloved son deepens and fortifies our covenant connection with them. Dave, can I ask you a question? Uh, uh, yes, I do guess. You have, do you have good prayers? Yes. Right now? Teach me how to do it. Oh, how to pray? Yeah, like what? give me your like two or three best tips for prayer. Mm, okay, I pray when it's most... I used to feel like I had to pray right when I woke up in the morning. I had somebody say one time... Oh, I heard someone in church say, my husband's knees hit the floor first. Like that's what she said. And I was like... Like when he woke up, and first of all, I was trying to think of like logistically, like how does he do that? Like just drops down. But she was trying to say like the very, <laughs> now are you picturing your mind some dude trying to like thump onto the floor? But she was trying to say like, it's the very first thing that he does when he wakes up. And I, I like when I wake up, I, that's not the, like I, that's unnatural for me. Like I have to have time to like warm up. You know what I'm saying? And like get going. And so I actually pick the times. My tip would be like, oh, I would pick the times that are most natural for you to speak. Mm. So mine's actually driving. I love to pray while I drive. This is funny, but sometimes I actually play music while I'm driving and praying at the same time because it just is like a full experience. Wow. You know, all together. It's a, this is not unique. Like this won't be, people aren't going to be like, oh my gosh, what an awesome idea. But like, I don't necessarily have like these set times mm. for prayer. Like it just, I'll just kind of almost like I'm like just texting a friend or something like that. And this is going to be my last thing I want to say about it. Um, this does sound kind of weird maybe, but I was watching The Chosen and like Jesus was like just laying in his tent and then he just starts praying there, laying in bed. And when I saw him do that, I don't know why, but it just like, it was so sweet that he just kind of sat there, just like he was kind of looking up through the stars and he just started like talking. And I was just like, man, I believe in like a, 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 a like God deserves my reverence and my very best and, you know, and all those things. But there was something sweet to blend that together, yeah. marry that together with just like a, I don't want to use the word casual, maybe the word comfortable 
is the word I want to use instead of of casual, but just yeah. like a comfortable conversation. Yeah, I have I have pretty set routine prayer routines, but what I like about what you're saying is, uh, if, if I'm not careful, I can think, oh, I already did my prayers today, and w- so, w- so what I love what you're saying is it, it gives me opportunities to pray at random times and just connect with God, and and pray to Him, talk with Him, uh, at any time. Yeah. Um, and I write down my prayers sometimes. Really? Yeah. Have you ever seen the movie War Room? No. Oh my gosh. It's so good. Actually, I don't know how good it is. It's been a while, but it was good. Like I, after I watched that movie, I built a war room in my house. It's like this old lady who like has this room in her house where she just like her husband was a general or something like that. And she said, they used to gather in this room as generals and like make plans for like their battles. And they mm-hmm. would like the war room. And then she was like, I realized like I could use prayer as a, that's why I want to battle for my family and for my soul and for this world. Love that. And so she created this like closet in her house. It was her war room. And she wrote down her requests and her prayers and her pleas. And she put them on the wall and she went in there and she could see them and be surrounded by them. And she called it, this is where I like battle on my knees is what I do. Anyways, there's like a side story going on in the movie and stuff. But then I built a war room I love in that. my house. Yeah. Anyway, it's a, and there's something cool about writing out your prayers. I, that's something I've like kind of gotten into. That's super interesting. Yeah. I, I think in the context of building a relationship with God, the for me, I feel distant from people when I can't tell them what I'm thinking, what I'm feeling. And if I just say routine prayers, then I'm that means I'm keeping a lot in. But if I am very authentic, very honest, God can handle it. He can handle honesty, right? Right. And and then I'll, I'll get close to him if I'm actually really authentic. Mm. I used to pray when I was younger and feel like that checklist, like kind of pray and think there was a running video log of all the times <laughs> I prayed so that when I got to heaven, I could be like, roll the video, Lord. See how many times I prayed? <laughs> it's like, wait, how about you just pray to like connect and talk? Okay, here's another one. He says, we abide in him. Notice they're all talking about these are ways that we abide in him. These are the ways that we strengthen relationship. This one, by truly feasting upon the words of Christ. Yeah, I, like so if prayer is talking to him, like President Kimball says, then uh, Scripture is the way he talks to us. And I think it's really important. Yes, we apply Scripture to our lives, but I think primarily we make Scripture about him. Can you imagine listening to someone and then making it about yourself? It's a time to ask follow-up questions looking for the intent behind scripture to know someone's history. And I just, I would be really cautious about making scripture study too much about me rather than this is my chance to really listen to him talk and Mm, speak mm. and hear his intent and words. Yeah. And I don't know why I've never thought about this before, but anytime someone says feasting upon the words of Christ, it makes me go directly to scripture instead of like just plain listening. What about an impression or a thought or words that comes to my mind to like actually like, Oh, what do you, almost like, uh, I heard someone say this once. It was a, uh, they said like, and the spirit said this to me, da, 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 da. And then their response was, oh, what do you mean by that? And I was like, oh, that's actually a really natural response. Like, and see how that's so conversational to like say back like, oh, wait, what do you mean yeah, by it, that? Yeah, if revelation is an event, then you just get it and then you don't really do any follow up with it. But if revelation's a continual process, you'll be thinking, discerning, asking what is the intent. And sometimes we'll get a prompting and the prompting comes as words or a, or a sense. And then we just, we 
don't think there's anything else that we just think, oh, I got it the first time and that's what it must mean. I remember Elder Scott telling a story where he felt a prompting and then he left the room and he kept writing down more and listening more and getting more. And so, yeah, to ask follow-up questions, listen deep, deeply, and, and really try to discern the will of God. You're so good. I think if you come back to that line, I just keep thinking of that line that you said earlier, that just like the way we build a relationship with God is the same way that you would build a relationship with anybody else. So if someone's like yearning for that, I think the question they would ask is like, okay, who are, the, who are my bestest friends, the, my mentors, the people I admire, the people I'm closest with? How did we get that way? And could I model something, you know, yeah, similar? Yeah. Um, okay, there's a, there, he lists a couple more. Which one is your favorite one? So this one is really profound to me. He says, we abide in him by preparing earnestly to participate in the ordinance of the sacrament. Uh, this is so important to the leaders of the church right now. It's actually a temple recommend question. Is that, Do you prepare for the sacrament? Mm. Reviewing and reflecting on our covenant promise and repenting sincerely. I just think with the people I have the deepest relationships with, we have moments of like family reunion or uh, maybe like a high school reunion, although I've never been to one of those. You I've, haven't? No. Oh my gosh, what if they had one at Disneyland? What would even happen <laughs> to you? Be the happiest day of my life. <laughs> Um, there's a group of guys I hang out with once a month and we like talk philosophy or scripture or sports or whatever. And it's just this awesome reunion where we get together. But what's so powerful about these moments of reunion is you actually prepare and plan for them and get excited. And so I, I, in some way, I think sacrament is like that. Here's, here's my weekly chance to connect with God again. Yeah. And I read it and thought similar, like an anniversary. Yeah. Yeah. Where it's like, I was asking my little mission prep group last night. Um, okay, I said, what's more important? Um, the ordinance or the the covenant lifestyle after it, you know? And they were arguing with each other about, which is fun, you know? And yeah. then I was like, okay, what if I asked like this? What's more important, the day I got married or like the life Jenny and I live afterwards? And again, there's arguments for both of them at the end. I was like, y'all, just so you know, you get both of them, you know? <laughs> but there is something about like a day coming. It's marked in the calendar as something that we remember, I don't, like a time set aside. There's, there's some, right? Like you, it's something becomes meaningful if you invest that kind of like thought and preparation into it, right? Right. You're just like, I'm walking into sacrament meeting and there's something about it. Like that I'm just like, I'm actually going to like, you know, if I go out with Jenny, I'm going to turn off my phone. Right. It's me something meaningful about that time together. It makes makes me feel like something similar. Uh, real quick, uh, one way to prepare for sacrament is maybe to pick a different scripture each week that's connected to the sacrament, whether it's the Passover story or Matthew 26 or Mosiah 18, my baptismal covenants, and literally five to ten minutes on preparing to take the sacrament. I, I think that kind of thing would make a huge difference. Okay, he says this at the end of that list. I've briefly described several of the many ways <laughs> that we can abide in the Savior. And he just invites us to think of other meaningful ways that we can do that. Like this list isn't going to be comprehensive uh, for that or anything. But then he has this line where he talks about the Savior's promise. And I, I think this would be a cool place to wrap up. He said, the Savior's promise to his followers is twofold. If we abide in him, he will abide in us. But is it indeed possible for Christ to abide in you and me individually and personally? And he says, the answer to this question is a resounding yes. And I, when we look at that, we're just like, can, can the Savior 
in this relationship, I think the thing that's most powerful about this relationship as a Christian is not only looking at the way I am trying to abide in him, but what he's done to invest and abide in my in our relationship. Going back to what you said earlier about yeah, sometimes when you hear the phrase, keep the commandments, do the will of God, it feels like, is this being trying to impose on me? And a lot of people, they've experienced relationships where they've tr- been vulnerable and they've tried and it just didn't work out. And so they close up and they say, I can't give myself completely to another being that in that way. It's just, they just don't feel safe. But why is it safe to give ourselves to the Lord Jesus Christ? It's because on the cross, Gethsemane and Golgotha, he made himself vulnerable to us first. It, he, he made the first move in the sense that he said, look, I will show love first, even if you have not shown love to me. And because he loved us that completely, it is completely safe and wise. It's the most safe and the, and the wisest thing is to give ourselves over completely to this being who's given himself completely for us. Right. And it almost feels like, listen, that idea of like where you, where you said earlier, like you're safe in prayer, you're safe in this relationship. You can actually open up and invest in it. And if ever someone feels hesitant about that, I think they can look at that picture in their mind of, of, of Jesus on the cross, that, that picture that says for God so loved the world. He's just like, look at what I have invested in this relationship feel free to invest anything that you would like. I won't let you down in it. I'm not going to like turn my back on you at any point in this. Like you don't have to be, whatever other relationship issues you may have had, they don't have to exist in this relationship between us. You can fully, like with your whole heart, mind, and strength, you can invest in this. And that's because God invested his whole heart, mind, and strength first. I think that's what it means to abide in him. Absolutely. That's revival. Amen. (laughs) 